This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. Hello, this is Hey Dude Shoes. This is an ad, but not for your ears, for your feet. Are they listening? Good. Hey Dude Shoes are the squishiest, airiest, lightest go-to shoes you'll ever have the pleasure of introducing your toes to. So light, a butterfly could steal them. So soft, kittens seethe with jealousy. So cushy, your hands will curse your feet for all the love and attention. Toes, you've hit the jackpot of comfy. Hey Dude, good to go to. Hello and welcome again to Cottage Talk. Uh, this is Emilio Dinello, and today we have another former Fulham favourite as our special guest on the show. But before I go in, into that, then last week we had a fascinating interview with Fulham legend Paul Pescasolida, who talked very fondly about his time at Fulham and also about the 140-mile two-day cycle run from Craven Cottage to Bournemouth's Vitality Stadium, made of the Fulham Foundation. And for those who have not yet listened to this in- interview, please. I certainly strongly recommend downloading the episode of College Talk. It's a relatively short interview, but it's definitely worth a listen. So, uh, and also, let me take this opportunity to thank all our listeners who kindly donated to this great cause. And we're, you know, College Talk listeners are able to play a part in raising funds for the charity. And I understand over forty thousand pounds has been raised so far, which is an incredible effort. So, uh, thanks again, all our listeners around the world, for dipping into your very tight pockets and you know donating to a very worthwhile cause. But let's go on to today now. Without further ado, let me introduce our special guest here to, to the show. So, Robert Wilson, welcome back to College Talk. Hi, good uh, good evening, or as it is evening over here. I don't know what it is over in America, but um, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a good evening to all, for both you, Russ, and yourself, and the rest of the listeners. Yeah, great. It's, it's fantastic to have you back on the show. It's been, it's been quite a while now, so it's obviously good to uh, to have you back on the show so you've got an opportunity to you know, share your, your honest thoughts about the season so far. And we've got a lot to cover off today. And uh, before we do that, obviously, I've also got Russ Goldman, who's actually a co-host tonight. Yes, you heard that right. Russ, thanks for joining the show tonight and, and being a co-host alongside Rob. Not a problem. I look forward to uh, this interview with Rob. Like I said, it's been a long time, so... I'm fascinated with what he's going to share with us because we're going to be looking back at the season through his eyes. Absolutely. And, you know, there's 
it's been a disappointing season, as we know, and there's, there's nine months worth of you know, negative. There's, there's been a few positives, but there's, on the whole, quite a disappointing season. We'll, we'll turn the clock back to last August and we'll go through the season sequentially and cover off key matters. And obviously we'll get your your thoughts, Russ, as well as Rob, who will, who will be expressing his views uh, throughout the show tonight. But before, let's, before we do that, Rob, let's talk about yourself. Obviously, you still travel around the country to watch Fulham play home and away. And two weeks ago, you, you received an award on the pitch at Craven College before the game against Everton. Can you tell our listeners more about this award? Obviously, it's good to, uh, for a former Fulham favourite and legend to, to be recognised. Yeah, yeah, we're very nice of uh, David Daly, who is a, a director at Fulham, uh, and the rest of the board uh, invites uh, myself and, and my wife, Karen. Uh, I actually took my 85-year-old mum and my son, Adam, and my grandson, Tommy, down for the day. Yeah, it was. it's, it's a forever Fulham award. Um, it's just like an achievement award for mm. appearances. Obviously, I made 253 appearances for Fulham, but, you know, I'm also a, a Fulham, a local Fulham boy. Uh, and as uh, supporters would know, I've, I've followed the club over the last 15, mm. 20 years, probably longer, you know, more so probably in the last sort of 15 years when my son was got, a, a, he had a, a keen interest in Fulham from a, from the age of about 15, 16. So uh, he's a mad Fulham fan. So yeah, we, we, we've followed Fulham home and away. So we've seen some plenty of ups and plenty of downs. And it was <laughs> nice of the club to, 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 to recognise that with a, a forever Fulham award, just a, a nice little plaque on the pitch before the game, entertaining in the uh, director's lounge. Um, predecessors, Tony Gale and Les Strong have mm. received this award and, and probably there is numerous others that, that I'm not sure about. But yeah, it's it's nice to be recognised by, by my hometown club. Yeah, it's well deserved as well. So I've been supporting the club now well, since 1980, so it's nearly approaching 40 years and you know, you know, I was you know, I was in my early teens when when you were at the height of your career in the eighties. You know, in that great Malcolm McDonald team. So, yeah, very many fond memories from my part. And you know, I want to thank you for your contribution of those two, over two hundred fifty games for the club. So, uh, thanks very much for for all your efforts in those years, and thanks for continuing to support the club. You know, through thick and thin, like you said, over the the last twenty years or so. Yeah, yeah, most definitely. Well, hopefully you've got the the plug nicely displayed in the, in your home. I have. I'm yeah. I'm sat. I'm sat in my office now, looking at. Uh, it's on. It's on the side, uh, <laughs> alongside a few other little bits of Fulham memorabilia. So yeah, it's, it's a prouder place in in my office, uh, in my home in Sheffield. Wonderful. Thank you very much for that. Thanks for sharing that. So, uh, well, let's talk about probably most of the downs of this season. So. Do you want to give an overall thought to the season? I know there's been lots being talked about the last eight, nine months, the decline month on month. What were your overall thoughts of this season? Yeah, well, I mean, like like many supporters, you know, we enjoyed a fantastic day at, at, at Wembley and, you know, last May, you know, the, the most, you know, other than possibly the Juventus game at home and the Lincoln game that I played in many, many years ago, it was probably the highlight of, of my my sort of career as a Fulham fan, mm. uh, I didn't go to the final obviously in Hamburg because my daughter was getting married that day. But um, yeah, so you know, to have such a day and then a, a month later start the start or a couple of months later start the, the start of the season uh, and and the the panic buying as I would have said on transfer deadline of the uh, you know the five acquisitions w- with the seven that had gone on you know the previous sort of six weeks before that. Uh, resulting in you know twelve twelve new twelve new incomings for hundred over a hundred million pound worth of mm. of, of signings, 
you know, we all went into the to the season very optimistic, like you and like me. Many many yeah. of the signings, you know, were, I was unaware of. I had to look them up on on Google <laughs> to to see what some of the names and where they'd come from or what they what they were about. So you know, we had to give the benefit of the doubt to to, to Slav if he if he agreed to all twelve. I'm not so sure he did. Um, and and Tony Khan, Brian Talbot, and his team, and the recruitment team. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it was it was an exciting time to go into the season. And and I usually have a, a regular spot on Love Sport Radio, quite uh, quite regular every week or every other week with, with the guys there. And you know, I was I, I went on on record and said that I thought we'd you know finish sort of tenth or eleventh, you know, with mm-hmm. what we'd done in the market. I said the same thing, by the way. Yeah, yeah, that. And that's the key thing: is how many people. Or well, how many fans expected us to be where we are now? I'd probably say very few, if any, to be honest. We all expected mid mid table, thirteenth, fourteenth, and you know consolidating the division. But you know, I'd, I'd be very surprised if anybody had predicted we'd be this far down the the table. You know, and I'm already relegated at the beginning of April. No, most definitely. Yeah, and I, for one, was definitely uh, one mm. of those. That, like you said, I, I thought with what we'd done. And what was going to happen, and, and the acquisitions that we thought that might turn into some kind of fruition, that we would be sort of mm. mid-table. So I didn't think we'd, you know, endure the the pain that we've mm. had for the last sort of six, seven months. Absolutely, and you know, again, if we, you know, what they said, you used the right word, panic buying. So we did panic buy on that on that Thursday, if I recall that. You know, we, you know, the Angeese of this, where we. The name we heard the name we saw. So where, where do we recognise the name from? Oh yes, it was Europa League final last season. But you know these players came in last minute. It was a bit of panic buying, and but we still felt there was enough quality, there enough depth. We had, we supposedly had more than one play for every position. That was something we all, we all fans cry out for, and we'd got that. But you know, unfortunately, mm. really from the first game against Crystal Palace, that was a a warning sign there, in my opinion, because we got you know we played against an established Premier League team, and we pretty much walked, you know. Got got hammered two 0 That's the right way of doing. It. We would come to be lost. Yeah. But we all felt okay. First game of the season, bit of stress, bit of panic. Let's let's go back to training and, and let's get back to basics. But that was maybe the you know the start. There were a few signs here and there, but ultimately we didn't start well. And to be honest, the, the decline continued game after game. To be honest. Yeah, very much so. I think obviously a lot of them signings definitely coming in so late on transfer deadline, you know, whatever it was, 5th of August, some date in August, they've had no time to do pre-season with us, you know, and, and gel into going in before that first game. Um, consequently, you know, it was a, it was, it was probably a, a misfit pre-season in terms of, in terms of people coming in and what level of fitness they were at and joining in and the different language barriers and, and adjusting to the mm-hmm. pace of the premiership compared to the leagues that they, they were coming from. Um, you know, so if, from the start, it was always going to be a, a hard job for, 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 for Slav to, to see which players he would stick by from the championship. You know, was he going to do mm-hmm. a, a Bournemouth or a Wolves and, and then say, OK, well, we'll stick with some of the lads that got us over the line last May and, you know, then we'll adjust it accordingly. But as the weeks went by and the defeats were coming too readily uh, and mm. the chopping and changing of the back four and goalkeeper and, and, and generally then the first six eight games it was yeah it's confusing to watch and you know we all we're all pundits and we all can sit in the stand and, and make our own uh, observations and assumptions at where we thought we were going wrong but I just thought Slav was you know we was a bit mm. reluctant to change the way we were playing and thought that 
he might yeah. still continue the championship type football that we were trying to uh, that we'd got us got us there in the first place would get us you know enough points throughout the season to um, to stay in the division and I don't mm. think he he learned he should have learned a little bit earlier than he did I, I, the day he got the sack obviously the Liverpool game or just after it I thought that was the first sign that I saw that we actually played well at Liverpool away but <laughs> by that time it was obviously too late he, you know, he, he, he chopped and changed so many times. I think there was no continuity, no, mm. there was no team spirit, no passion. You know, we, we went, we went down to some heavy defeats, and That's right. not just in, not just in goals, but just in the manner of watching players' body languages when we went one and two down. You, you could just see the deflation within the squad; it just wasn't happening. And and consequently, you know, there came a time where the board had to make a decision whether it was the right one or the wrong one. I'm not so sure. I, w- I think I would have stuck with him for another few games. Hmm. Uh, consequently, when uh, Ranieri came in, I thought he was the wrong choice. Yeah. Uh, I've since found out that, you know, he, he possibly came in because, you know, he thought he might have the, um, you know, the, the nous to try and get us defensively hmm. uh, more stable. Um, and then to be, I mean, he's, to be fair, a, f- a few games and the points tally that he started to to start with, even though there wasn't wins, there was a few draws here and there that we might eventually do it. But you know, yeah, fate was always uh, going to come back and bite us. Um, so yeah, so it, it's been a very disappointing season uh, as a, as an ex-player, as a as a current supporter, and as yeah. a, a little bit of a. Uh, a little bit of a doing a bit of in the media it's it's hard and I was fed up of saying repeating myself every week when I went <laughs> on radio saying you know schoolboy era goals we've got yeah, championship absolutely. type defenders um, and you know we were creating chances and, uh, you know and with, with Mitrovic up there and, and Seth although Seth didn't get any kind of run under Ranieri and I think he was isolated from from the team as well as Tom Kearney was played out of position so there was there's been some yeah. very very strange decisions from the top right sure. down to the bottom exactly and I think Russ is there something do you want to ask Rob about the question around the, this discussion around retaining the championship team or the, the majority of the championship team and rather than chopping and changing was there something, something you want to ask Rob there well I actually have a different question to ask Rob because he said something very interesting and I want to get his thoughts on Emilio. Let's go back and let's talk about Savisa. You said something that stood out to me because I've thought about this as well, Rob. For me, Savisa was unwilling to change for the majority of the time. He wanted to play his style, but I saw it against Liverpool and I said, this is the way. If he can play against Liverpool like this, then maybe there is a way for it. Maybe he is finally learning, Rob. And then they made the switch. I think it was too soon because I wanted to see, like you said, a couple more matches. Let's see if he has finally learned how to play against some of the bigger clubs because, to me, that would also help them against the teams that they needed to beat, that you just can't play this way against all these opponents like you did in the championship. So I go back to the Liverpool match, and I think it was a mistake to make the change right after that. Curious your thoughts. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, obviously, I think Chambers had moved into the middle of the park that that game, and 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 probably was probably one of our man man of the matches. You know, whereas he'd played at the back and had moved him around here and everywhere. But you know, we all we all questioned his decision to to, to play him in in the middle of the park, and consequently, you know, he's he's proved you know many of us wrong because he's he's gone on to a, not only after that game, he's gone on to have a fairly steady influence in, in doing a, a holding role in there. 
Um, yeah, I, I think Slab, you know, unfortunately, he, it was too late for him. I think he was more or less told before the Liverpool game that, you know, he'd had the kiss of death, more or less, I think, even yeah. though he he played well that day. I think the writing was on the wall from from the chairman that if if there was no improvement or we didn't start getting points, then time was up. And even though we played well that day, um, uh, you know they, they they went on to make a decision that week after that game to to, to change him, which I, I thought was a bit harsh because as I say, I saw enough in that game to think right yeah. he could have done with another couple of games. And like you say, if we did it against the top teams like we did, um, you know we should have gone on and possibly um, you know done the same against some of the smaller teams that were, would have been in and around us where we needed to accumulate enough points to to get ourselves out of the situation that we were in. But yeah, it, 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 it was frustrating, um, and, and the players need to take some blame. You know, it's all right. all of us. Sure. It's all all of us. You know, are highlighting Mr. Khan or uh, Brian Talbot and the recruitment policy and decision making at the top. And I've, I've got on record and said that someone's got to be accountable. Uh, and it starts at the top, and then it's the management well, decision. But, mm. but solely the eleven players that take that pitch every week, you know, they've they've not done enough. And and you know, whatever eleven or whatever fourteen have represented Fulham every week, they can't look in the mirror after every game and and say they've given one hundred and ten percent because there's been many games where they haven't. You know, mm. you can tell. You know, the the camera don't lie, and us as supporters, and when they go home and watch the game live, you know, the, you know, they've got to say, well, I should have done more. I could have done more. So, okay. you know, and there was little drifts and little rifts within the dressing room. You know, I think Slav, uh, there was a little bit clicky going on. And obviously the foreigners and, and the English guys that didn't really, you know, Stefan never got a chance. Kevin never got a chance. You know what I mean? So there was Bettinelli mm. didn't start and then obviously got lucky and got in before the Burnley game and then went on to get an England, you know, England call up. So, you know, there was there was, uh, there was was lots of ups and downs. And so I just think Slav could have given the nucleus of the of last year's side, at least the starting choice. But I think when you spend a hundred million, I think his hands were probably tied a bit in terms mm-hmm. of he had to play some of these twelve players week in, week out to justify what we'd spent. Yeah. You know, I've got a slight different not a different take in terms of slam specific, but I believe the Huddersfield game was an L in the coffin. That performance was as bad a performance as I can remember in 40 years of supporting a club. And believe you me, I've been there watching them when they were ninety first in the country. So that I believe that Liverpool game was a free game. It, it bought the the club more time to to sign up Ranieri and lock down the deal because yeah. we were going to lose away to Liverpool whether Slav was in charge or not. And then it was then it was an international break, if I recall. So that gave yeah. three just effectively three weeks to get the new person on board and get him training with some of the lads before the Southampton game. So I believe the, South, the Huddersfield game was a nail in the coffin, and the decision had been made there and then. And Liverpool just coincidentally happened to be a game we weren't going to win with or without Slav. And therefore, we've got nothing to lose by replacing him then. And ironically, we actually played quite well against Liverpool away at the time. But I think majority of fans now, and obviously, obviously we're still on social media, a lot of fans questioning the decision. But at the time, if we go back to November, I think most fans, majority of the fans would have, would have accepted the fact that we needed some change. We couldn't get yeah, yeah. at that level and get away with it in the Premier League. And, and to be honest, I was I was I was in favour of the, the Ranieri appointment. I'm going to put my hand up. I've said it a few times out there, and you know, at the time I thought he would make us defensively harder to be, and he did to some extent. In, in December, he made us more defensively difficult to beat against the non-top four teams, as I call it. You know, we, 
Leicester at home. You know, we know we were, you know, we, we deserve to get more than a draw. We've got a nil nil draw at Newcastle. Should have been in Wolves at home. Struggled to beat Huddersfield, but kept the clean sheet. But we were more difficult to beat. And then suddenly it all went a bit pear shaped in January. So, you know, I have to accept, you know, I was wrong in, in thinking that Ranieri could have done the job for us. And I assume what you've said as well, Rob, you probably. Were you in favour of Ranieri, or would you, did you think at the time he wasn't the right manager for us? Well, I wasn't really, because I, I knew a little bit about his background at Leicester, and I think you know, I think the players won him the title at, at Leicester. I think he were very lucky. Um, so I knew he wasn't really, you know, a top, 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 top coach in terms of you know. I mean, I know he's had world worldwide jobs, and he's always walked out of us in straight into another job, but. You know, he, 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 I think he were very fortunate the season he won the title with uh, with Leicester because he had a he had a nucleus of a, a same squad and same players every week and they more or less won in that title rather than him. I know he, he he has an input and all his coaching staff and his Italian background and mentality did, but I just thought it was I didn't think he was the right fit for us. And you know, obviously, yeah, you're right. What you're saying, December was quite a a, a stableish start in terms of getting a few points or a, or a few games where we didn't get one or two goals against us, but um, I still felt what was going on. It, 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 I didn't think there was no long-term long-term sort of objection there from the board to, 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 to employ him, you know, uh, mm. although we gave him a contract for this season and, 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 and probably the following season, which there was a clause in that if we got relegated, he, he, he would probably mm. get, you know, he'd probably get his, his contract terminated. So, at the time, I wasn't for it, um, but there wasn't, you know, again, there wasn't too many out there that probably would have come to the forefront. But, um, you know, he, he done what he could, you know, his last six or seven games and, and some of his decisions I, I can't accept. You know, you isolate a young 18-year-old like Ryan Session like mm. he did. Yeah. Uh, and to play our captain, who was pivotal in getting us to the to the Premiership, you know, playing him on the right wing, <laughs> you know, telling Kevin McDonald that he won't play for us because he <laughs> he doesn't press the ball, and, and and you know, I can tell you lots of things that I know, but I can't really. But you know what I mean. So um, I, I was a bit sceptical when he when he did take the, when he did get appointed, but you know, obviously, um, you know, it, it's history now, uh, and we move on, and um, unfortunately, we are where we are. And Scott has obviously uh, come in, and I think straight away that he lifted the, the dressing room and, and the camaraderies come back, and the training's more jovial. The lads are going into to, to work with a smile on their face. And uh, yes, they had a very difficult start with the first five games, um, you know, against against some of the big teams in, in Tottenham and Chelsea and and City. Although when I when I went away to Leicester and saw that first half performance, I thought we were just back to the the yeah. same of what we'd watch through Ranieri and, and, and Slav, but he's turned it around with two great performances uh, and results in the last two weeks. And I only hope he goes on now to finish the season in some kind of um, rich mm. vein of form like we're doing. And, and he, he's given the opportunity to do the job because I, I clearly think he's got the credential to mm. to um, to have a go in the championship. Do you, do you do you do you do you see him being appointed as a new permanent manager? Or would you say let's get the season closed out? take a few weeks break and then make an announcement. What's your thoughts based on what you've seen so far? Because the Leicester game that you've mentioned is one one game I note that, that we went back to bad behaviours and bad 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 tactics. And, and he made a few wrong decisions in that game. And similarly with the Watford second half, I thought 
he completely got out outwitted in that game, and we should we should have got we should have been two 0 up by half time away to Watford. Yeah, the second half we were absolutely annihilated. You know that could have been five or yeah. six one on another night. And, you know I I blame Scott Parker completely for that second half debacle really. So I'm not you know yes last couple of games more United maybe nothing to lose as well. So therefore the players can play with a little bit more pride and confidence because there's nothing left to to gain other than that bit of pride. But so. If circumstance, there was a bit more pressure, I wonder whether we'd be as effective and successful in those last two games. But I'm not too sure if it's if we could still make an appointment for Scott Park at this time of season. I think I'd like the season to end and then we return yeah. to Yeah, I think I think you're right. I think you're right in what you're saying. I thought Leicester, like I said earlier, I didn't go mm. to Watford. My son went and he said we played as well as we have done all season for, for the first half. They made some tactical substitutions at half-time, which... Bobby, you're right in what you're saying. Scott didn't react to it, or the players on the pitch, more importantly, didn't react to to, to the way that Watford changed their system in the second half. Uh, uh, and you're right in what you're saying. I've seen some of the highlights, and even the two, you know, the the, the, mm. the goal. I mean, there was a worldy goal, but then obviously some of the other goal. You know, there were two or three queuing up. That was going back to what we'd seen more or less all season. But no, I think I've seen enough in the Everton game and the Bournemouth game that. You know, we bounced straight back. We've got a great opportunity on Saturday to, um, to you know, possibly put a nail in uh, Cardiff's uh, coffin to come down with us. <laughs> That'd be um, nice. <laughs> yeah, that would be nice. So I'm sure. Um, I'm sure the lads are looking forward to that. So yeah, I, I think now with them two results, he, he's put himself probably favourite to get the job. Mm. Yeah, there's one or two other names around, but you know, he's got very high qualifications. Um, he's a very good coach you know he's a good, very good man manager obviously there will be a clear out in the summer and then many players will leave and, and we will have to adjust the budget accordingly because we're in the championship but um, I think he's capable of managing the current squad we've got in terms of the players um, you know in terms of their their their, their egos as such mm. um, and, and I think you know given that we don't fall to too many bad performances in the in the next three games. I think um, you know, I think the job's there for him to lose really rather than gain. Rob, right back to you, because I it's very interesting. We're talking about Scott Parker and Namil has done a great job transitioning to talking about him. I want to ask you about a coach that left this summer and now they brought back and I think has made a difference. I'm curious your thoughts on the impact of Stuart Gray being part of Scott Parker's staff. And then, of course, not being part of Slavisa's staff to start the season. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, I, I don't know Stuart too well, but I know uh, from talking to, to some of the players that you know he is a very good coach, more on the defensive side than than the the the, the attacking side. Uh, and, and consequently, you know, when Scott did get the job, I think it was a very wise appointment. A bit like uh, Oli Gola you know, employing someone like Mike Phelan to come back to right. Manchester United. Um, you know, to get people around who know the club uh, and and, and they they feel comfortable with uh, and, and working with because they've been there and done it previously. And you know, yes, the results other than you know we played four of the five top teams in the, in that first mm. bit of a uh, bit of a bit of a run. But uh, and the new guys Scott's brought in from Tottenham, uh, the new coach is is meant to be putting on some fantastic sessions and and you know he's really uh, he's really upbeat and, and really you know. Getting the lads back in back in the zone, so um, you know I think there were two very worthwhile appointments, and, and Stuart obviously in the last two games, two 
two clean sheets, which is very uh, very rare for us this season. Um, he, he must have had a lot. He must have had a lot of say on that. And, and I think the lads have been working a lot harder in terms of defensively and you know doing doing drills and defending. Whereas you know I can say that under 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 Ranieri, and we all thought that he'd be good to to sort the defence out. He didn't do a lot of defensive type work, even when we were getting beat working week in week out. Which was, I found very strange. Absolutely. Obviously, we've covered a lot around the managerial America around this season. It's very ironic, similar to when we got relegated a few seasons ago. You know, three, three, three managers uh, in the same season. So, let's move away from the managerial America and it's more around turning point of the season, Rob. When did you accept that Fulham were in this relegation dogfight? Because we all we were all optimistic at the beginning of the season. Yes, we weren't winning games. We weren't necessarily getting hammered, but yes, we were conceding stupid defensive errors. But we always felt that we can turn this around. We can we can overcome these problems in training. One minute we have a good first half performance, then we fall apart the second half. It is when did you I reluctantly accept that Fulham were going to be in this relegation dogfight? And when, when did you feel that there was a point of no return when basically we were we were down and out? Yeah, I mean, obviously, like you said, we the December fixtures were fixtures that we all thought when we looked at, you know, were were fixtures that we had to target and and get, you know, were winnable. Um, I can't think it was West Ham, it was Huddersfield, uh, like you say, Leicester, probably Wolves. Um, I thought they were, you know, even even, even with um, Ranieri, I thought they were the games that we could highlight that we could pick three points up here and there we just needed to get that first three points under our belt a bit like we've done recently although the pressure's been off the last two games I just thought if we could win one there was there was always a an element of hope that we could go on and just put two or three results together which you know early on in the season back in December and possibly January would have been would have been fine but you know it, it just didn't we just didn't get over the line in terms of that the defining finding port. Uh, I mean, um, I thought uh, although it had already been Ranieri's fate had already been uh, sealed. I think Southampton away for me was. Mm. I can say I, I thought Huddersfield away. I, I've never, I've never, I've never wanted to walk out of a ground, but you know, after <laughs> sixty or seventy minutes, and especially being you know near to my home ground and the next team of mine, you know that 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 game was on a it was a Monday night, wasn't it as well? Mm, yeah. Monday, yeah, Wednesday night midweek. Yeah, yeah. yeah it was, I'm sure it was a it was a game that oh, it, it, it terrible. was terrible. So frustrating. But yeah, the the, the 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 final nail in the coffin, which was you know where I thought, oh, that's it, we're we're doing was Southampton away. Um, I'd flown down there from Manchester with eight from the sun and six pals with. Spent the day, obviously, uh, enjoying the Southampton sun and hospi- hospitality. Uh, <laughs> and then to see, us, to see us play like that, uh, you know, and then when he took Tom Kearney and, and, and Kevin McDonald off on 60 minutes, I felt like this just doesn't add up here, you know. Mm. It just, something something just don't feel right, you know. So I think um, I left that night thinking, yeah, we're doomed. And, you know, even though it was going to be impossible to get out of it because there was still mm. mathematically lots of games left, but I just yeah. felt well. Uh, you know, we really are doomed after that night. I just thought, yeah. uh, game by game, the, the body language of some of the players just wasn't giving me the vibe that we were prepared to have a fight and, and, mm. and try and get get back out of the situation we were in. So, uh, you know, they were they were the defining moments really for me. Yeah, I saw. I don't know, Russ, what you think? But I saw Crystal Palace 
worried me because I, 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 you know, I'm still optimistic. I, you know, people who know me well will always know that I'm, I'm an optimist. And I, that performance against Crystal Palace, we just didn't offer enough there. We missed an early chance, I recall, from Mitrovic. After yeah, that, Adam, we, yeah. we offered nothing. You know, we we made we made a stupid mistake defensively, conceded the penalty, and, and that was game over for me. And then Cyrus Christie coming on as a substitute to get home to Manchester United, that was a baffling substitution. And to be honest. The dressing room was long lost by then. The players had no passion, no desire. I thought uh, that Man United defeat and the manners and some of those tactical changes, I think that, that was an nail in the coffin. And West Ham, you take the lead and then go, you know, go, get hammered 3 1 as well. That could have been a lot higher the defeat. So, to be honest, February was an awful month. We lost all four games. And to be, I thought the Crystal Palace game was, was it for me. That, that was a game yeah. we needed to get something out of, and we, we offered very, very little. Yeah, yeah, yeah. we offered nothing at all, did we? Uh, I was at that game, I travelled down mm. from Yorkshire, uh, 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 was in a box uh, behind the goal, yeah, and it was disappointing. Mm. As you say, the Mitrovic header first half, I think, was our only real shot. Um, and then, you know, poor, poor for the penalty, and mm. they just, just didn't offer anything. But, you know, we, the problem was we were getting so used to watching that week in, week out, it was just as if you felt, oh, it's just, Another one, close, another nail closer to, to our our coffin of, of us going down. You know what I mean? But uh, while it was still possible, we 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 are full of ish, so we, you'd have to keep hoping that we might we might turn it around, or we might just go on a run of two or three wins on the trot, and suddenly things might change. And it was fairly tight down the bottom there for, mm. for you know back in January and February. That if you did win two or three on the trot, then you know you would have confidence would exactly. have sort of, would have gone sky high. Um, we, there wasn't showing us any of that, you know. And more importantly, we stopped creating the chances that we were creating pre-Christmas, you know, when mm. we were conceding goals and we weren't, you know, the the the, the, the ball retention and, uh, and the chances we, we were creating pre-Christmas just seemed to dry up a bit, you know. We just yeah, true, so true. We more or less looked like we were going out and just trying to keep the score down, you know. So um, disappointing because, you know, as I said, you know, it's... Um, what 11 or whatever 14 that whatever manager was picking, you know, should be going out there and putting a mm. a shift in for 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 themselves as well as the True. the management and the, and the employers and and the fans. So I felt sorry. I felt sorry for the fans this year. I mean, obviously I've had lots of chats throughout the season, half time before the game and after the game with many many of the fans, and it's been disappointing. But you know, it's one that. Um, We've got so used to us being a Fulham fan, as you say, for 30 or 40 years. You know, we have our ups and downs. It's just disappointing that we've ended up being a one-season wonder, you know, because I thought we were better than that. Yeah, I agree. And, and Russ, your, your, what was, where, where did you see it was a point of no return? Well, first I'll start when I really started getting concerned. I could say the match before the, the one I'm about to mention, the Cardiff City match. I thought that was the first warning signal. But right after that is when I really got worried was Bournemouth at home. And that worried me because I thought Bournemouth was a team that Fulham should be beating at home, especially at home. And Bournemouth came to Craven Cottage and played their game. They played as a team. And I thought they were the better team. They thought they dominated. So that was the one that really stood out to me. If we can't beat Bournemouth at home, we're in trouble. That's when I really legitimately thought that there was going to be an issue, Rob. And then the match for me that really convinced me that we were going to get relegated, believe it or not, goes to the Burnley match away. Because, again, here's an opponent that I thought that we were better than. I know it's on the road, but if they can't beat Burnley on the road, I thought we were going to get relegated. Obviously, it turns out that way. 
But that to me solidified in my brain that Fulham were probably going to get relegated. Mm. I went to Burnley away and that first half performance was absolutely atrocious. Mm. Uh, you know, in the second half went much better, but I mean, we did show a little bit more, um, a, a little bit more. But yeah, you're right. In what you're saying it poured it down with rain. It's not the best place to go when it's raining, Burnley. <laughs> but yeah, um, we had to sat behind that goal, and again, I was, I was frustrated. I actually had to move. I was sitting, I was sitting with Tom Kenny's mum and dad, and uh, and then I moved because I was fed up with people just. And Tom wasn't even playing; he was on the bench, I think. I'm just fed up with supporters in and around me, just slagging Fulham off, just to the mm. hill, you know. I mean, and rightly so. I actually had to move seats and go and sit right on the right, right the other side of the stand on my own. I said to my son, oh, "I can't listen to this." And there a couple of guys behind me just continue lambasting them. And I, I was at the point where I was going to say something <laughs> to them. I was just fed up of them, just blasting in my ear. So I, I took the call, the call, the cool down thing, and went and sat the other side of the uh, stand, right away from everyone for the last twenty minutes on my own, just grabbing my thoughts and thought, yeah, you know, what I mean, he's entitled to his opinions, which we all are. Um, but yeah, that was one of one of many dour performances, as mm. you say, Russ. And, and, and you know, like I say, if we went through every game at any point, you know, we could always say, yeah, did we do enough? No, we didn't. You know. Um, you know, right. were we lucky? Did we get points where we should have done, where we didn't do? You know, it's all ifs, buts, and maybes. Exactly. The bottom line is, we haven't been good enough over the 35 games so far. We need to, you know, we need to close out the season with a good, you know, hopefully we could go unbeaten, which would be great. If Scott's announced the manager at the end of the season, uh, fantastic. I'd, I'd be up for that. Um, let's have a look at the playing squad. You know, who are we going to keep? Who's going to leave? Who can we afford to keep? Who can we afford to, to let go? And then and then plan for the championship because as we all, all three of us know, the championship is relentless. It's exactly. Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday. <laughs> you know, this season is no different than when last season. Look at Sheffield United and Leeds yes. and Villa. You know, that, that it, is, it is a very... I like the championship. I really do. I, I, <laughs> love, I. I love it. You know? yeah. I love going to all the grounds. A lot of them are up in the north. It's even better. Um so uh, yeah, I like the championship. So I, you know, as much as I miss going to Premiership games this season, and, and, and you, know, you want to play in the best league in the world, I really, me and my son Adam and uh, my family and that, we we like the championship. So mm-hmm. you know, bring it on if we, you know, we let's have a proper go at um, you know trying to come straight back up. Absolutely. And on that point, you made one of the subjects I was going to ask you, Rob, was about who who do you think we will be able to retain? So obviously, we've got a number of talented players, and also players who've got high price tags so of those you know the likes of Sessegnon, Mitrovic, Seri, Anguisa the big big money players who do you think we're capable of keeping any of these for next season possibly loaning selling uh, them and loaning them back possibly uh yeah well starting with with, with the captain Tom uh, you know I'd love to think he would stay he, you know he's, a, he's in the middle of a four or five year contract so you know, unless Mr. Khan wants to sell his top players, you know, I'm sure there'll be top clubs knocking on the door for for Sess, for Mitro, for for Kearney. Um, you know, so there will be there will be people out there trying to pinch pinch uh, them three players off as a, a possibly you know costs that would have been probably less than they are last season. But um, as far as I'm led to believe, you know, I mean, I've not I've not heard anything to the contrary that. You know, Mr. Khan will do his best to try and keep his key players who he wants, and I, I would hope them being our three key players, uh, I would hope to, to think that, that we would try and keep them. 
yes, uh, the, all the rooms of Seth, obviously, if he won't sign his contract, he's, he's only got a year left. So, mm. you know, like you say, if, we, if the rumours are true that are going around that there's Juventus, Tottenham, uh, eight or nine different clubs in for him, I'd like to think whoever he goes to would loan him straight back for, for a year at the Championship under yes. working under Scott, that he would get, you know, would get the regular football. Exactly. Uh, and we would get, uh, I don't think we're going to get 40 million that's alleged last season and, and a little bit mm. of this season. You know, I don't think we're going to get that sort of fee for him. But, you know, whatever we get, if it's 30 or sell-on clauses, 30, 30, 40 million, whatever it is, you know, he, he, wherever he goes, he's not going to be a regular. So I would like to think he would accept that he would get his move um, because if he goes into the final year of his contract, he could leave us next year for nothing. Exactly. You know? Yeah, that's last um, so we either try and tie him down to a contract or we agree to sell him in the summer with a view to loaning him straight back and, and utilising him for the 12 months that would try and get us back in the Premiership. Mitro, yeah, as, as far again, I understand he's very happy in London. So I wouldn't, I think the only clubs that possibly could poach him would be West Ham and Palace because I can't see him moving outside of London. Mm-hmm. Um, whether he wants to, 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 to go there, I'm not so sure. Um, so... You know, it's going to be interesting in terms of Seri and Greasy. God, if if they go onto the market, are we going to get our money back or anywhere near the money that we paid for both of them? Highly unlikely. Highly unlikely. Um, I just think, though, I've seen enough in Anguisi the last five, six games working mm-hmm. under Scott that I've seen something and I would like to keep him. I think he could do a job. And and to be fair, Seri, since Christmas, has, uh, when given an opportunity, has, has shown flashes of, 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 of what we probably probably what we paid for, for both of them, really. Um, yeah. And, and you know, Mawson coming back will be like a new signing, you know. So, you know, we've, we've missed him all, more or less all season. So he's meant to be back training again this week. So if he comes back and gets a game in before the end of the season, I would hope to think that he would start next season mm. uh, as a first-year centre-half. Um, keepers, obviously, we probably need to get rid of one out of the three. Um, obviously, the loan, the Shirl is going to go back and, all the other loan mm. deals. I think we'll struggle to keep Babel. Um, I think he obviously wants to play in the Premiership to keep his his, mm. his, his Dutch international career going. So again, he showed glimpses of of good form recently. I would have mm. liked to have tried and kept him, but I think he's more or less hinted in the press that he needs to be playing at the highest level to to make sure he stays in the Dutch squad. So mm. I would imagine there'll be a there'll be a Premiership side out there that will probably snap him up. But it's going to be interesting. Um, and and like you say, the wage bill will have to be cut. And mm. you know, the, I'm not sure of the players that are currently out of contract. I, I did see the list some weeks ago, and I can't think who is and who isn't. Um, but you know, with whatever squad we've got and whatever squad or whatever signings the new manager, whether it be Scott or or a another bring in, you know, I don't think there'll be too many because of what we spent last year. I think. Uh, the beauty of Scott knowing the current squad is is probably in the back of Mr. Khan's mind thinking, well, you know, let's see if Scott can get the best out of these mm-hmm. between now and the end of the season, which he's done in the last few games. And if he shows the, the willingness and, and the desire that the players are reacting to him, then, you know, let's give him a shot in the championship. Absolutely. Well, thanks for sharing your thoughts. Uh, you know, you know, I, I agree with everything, everything you've said. I, I, I'm actually quite confident Mitrovic will actually stay for next season. I actually believe he's still young enough and determined enough. I mean, he still stays on his Premier League wages. And why would he want to move? He, he, we know what he can do at the Championship. And therefore, you know, he will give, be given one season to get us straight back up. And Geese, I agree with you, the last half dozen games, you know, he's been he's been outstanding. You know, I was very critical of him before Christmas, before he picked up his injury. But... I've seen another another Angisa 
quick passing, mm-hmm. running back, tracking back. Yes, he makes the odd passing error here and there. Who doesn't? But ultimately, I've just seen a lot of desire, a lot of passion and spirit there. And I actually think he can make a difference in the championship. Seri, I'm not sure he's got the attitude or commitment to want to play at that level. I'm not sure we need that type of player in the in the club. But Seth, if we no. go back alone, you know, we try to encourage Mitrovic to have one more season in the championship and retain Angisa. I think I actually think we're we're, we're going to be in, in good shape for next season. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see if uh, Stefan wants to come back with under and work yeah, under Scott. contract is, you know, obviously at West Brom, and and you know he's a player that hasn't really been given a an opportunity with us this season. He, he probably is Championships probably his level, so I think he sure. would be a great acquisition if he did come back and slot back into the squad for for availability. Mm. Chambers will probably go back to Arsenal. I would have thought, you know, he's done he's done a good job for us, but. Can't see us buying him, and I can't see us. I can't see Arsenal loaning him to us again. You know, that's a shame. Um, you know, he'd be. I think he'd be a perfect acquisition, a long-term signing. But you know, either he accepts that he's going to continue being loaned out from club to club, or make a commitment to leave Arsenal in the hope that he can help get full and promoted, and you know, we can keep him for the next three to forty. I actually think you know he's 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 been you know one of the. Uh, shining lights of this season. Yeah, he? yeah. Since he moved into midfield, I yeah. agree. Yeah, I think I saw that Liverpool game was the start of mm. it. And, and, you know, um, and I think Joe Joe Bryan is starting to show signs of, you know, I've seen enough there in the last five or six games, uh, you know, especially going forward. I think, um, you know, uh, everyone wanted uh, Matty from last season from Southampton and he's not played a lot this year with him. And, but I think, I think given, given time, I think, I think Joe could turn into a, you know, to do a good job on that side. Right back, I think that's an area that has been a concern for us. You know, we've tried Dennis, we've tried uh, Christie, we've tried Mens. You know, we tried a number of different options. I just think we haven't got the, um, you know, we haven't got the finished article there in terms of, you know, a number one right back yeah. and centre-halves. Whether Ream could perform the level he did in the Championship last year when he was probably one of our players of the season, but look, he's looked a fish out of water this year mm. in the Premiership. Um, <laughs> exactly. He might go back to, you know, he, he might hang around and, and be there to play alongside Mawson as, as the two to two centre-halves for next season, you know. So uh, the spine of the side is looking quite strong, I think. You know, if we, as you say, we keep Mitrovic, play Tom in his favourable position, mm. and Guisi goes there as a holding midfield player. Mawson with, with possibly Ream. Um, you know, I think Rico's done well as a keeper for the last, well, according to Jermaine Genus, we've been changing mm. him every week since uh, he obviously yeah. does do his, uh, his own work or his stats on Match of the Day. I was fuming when I was watching that. I'd love to have had a conversation with him about it. But, um, you know, Marcus has obviously been injured. Whether he comes back as number one will be interesting to see in, in the summer. But, you know, the, 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 signs are, the signs are there. It's going to be difficult. Um, but I'm looking forward to the championship, even though we've not even finished the premiership. Sure. Okay. I'm just conscious of time as well. We need, we're going to wrap okay. up in the, in the next few minutes as well. But before we do yeah. wrap up, Rob, in this disappointing season, who would you give your player of the season to? If there's, is there anybody who deserves to be player of the season? <laughs> uh, I think yeah, you're right. We've, we've discussed a number of players who, whose form has dipped up and down, but, uh, I think you've just touched on it there, if I were honest, and I was sceptical when he first started playing in the middle of the park. I would say uh, Callum Chambers would be my player of the season. Interesting. OK. And, and Russ, for you, who would, if you were to no- nominate your player of the season, who would you give it to? I would go with uh, what Rob just said. I, I would go with Callum Chambers. 
Interesting. I think, again, Mitrovic has got his goals, but, you know, in the leaner spell, you know, and when he went through a bit of a bit of a goal drought, he, he did miss some, some pretty good chances. You know, someone at his level you'd expect to have taken. So I think that would have lost him some brownie points. Same time Chambers at the beginning of the season was truly awful. So it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's, I'm not too sure. It's between between those two. I think they're the two standout. standout yeah, players, yeah. Mitrovic's goals and Chambers. I wouldn't surprise me that Fulham will not actually a request a play of the season award like we did when we got relegated a few seasons back. So we don't be surprised sure. you don't see one this season. <laughs> uh, okay, then. So I think we're pretty much... The only other thing I was going to say to ask you, Rob, is about the Khans. You know, obviously, we've seen all the all the bad press that Tony Khan has been, has been getting from fans, which I think is a bit unco- you know, unnecessary, to be honest. He's, you know, he's yeah. trying to invest yeah. in the club. He, he, he does love the club. You can see that his father... Uh, it has invested a lot of money. It's continuing to invest money. What is all the criticism they're getting as a family all unnecessary and you know not justified? Oh uh, yeah, most most definitely. Yeah, I mean I know that and I for one have been uh, been on the radio and said that, that you know the recruitment people should be accountable, not not finger fingering any uh, blame at either Tony Khan or, or Brian Talbot or or the collective scouting network they had, but. Somewhere along the line, when if you get relegated and you spent a hundred million, you know someone at the someone has to be accountable, and it has, you know the buck stops with the people at the top who make these decisions to to sign players that mm. are probably not cut the mustard. So yeah, I think in some of the personal stuff or some of the Twitter feed and social media that that Tony uh, Tony's endured has been totally out of out of order, uh, and I for one wouldn't wouldn't uh, wouldn't agree with anything that any so-called Fulham fan would uh, would aim at them. Everyone's entitled to their opinion. We, uh, the game's about opinions, but, you know, as you say, I think um, with Mr. Khan uh, uh, investing the money he's did and he's got his son, Tony, running it and Brian Talbot and his team that uh, are scouring the world for, for mm-hmm. players. Um, you know, somewhere along the line, you know, they'll sit down and analyse, you know, did they make the right decisions on some of these? And as I said back at the beginning of this interview, you know, was it a panic buy on, on deadline day when you make five signings in one day? Or was it a coincidence that we couldn't get them them signings over the line the day before? You know, it just makes you look like you've panicked on that day just to get bodies through the door. Um, mm. You know, but there may have been some 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 problems that, you know, that these deals could have been done a day or two before. So it looks like it's a panic buy. Um, yeah. But no, I think it's wrong that any... any um, any sort of blame as such has been, especially personal blame or anything like that, has been aimed by any of our, uh, our Fulham mm. fans at, at Tony because it's, it's fully not justified at all. And, you know, I, I'm hoping that um, he sticks around and, and, and works with, with the board and, and, and the new manager, wherever it may be, and, and, and wants to wants to get Fulham back in its rightful position in, in the Premiership to have a, a more long longer stint in it than we have done this season. Okay. Russ, anything you want to add there from what Rob's just said about the cons? Listen, I'm glad that Rob has talked about this because the cons, I truly believe, care about Fulham. And I think it shows, you know, they really care. I just think that, um, unfortunately, it just didn't work, Rob. That's the way that I look at it. They tried. It's not from a lack of trying. They've spent money, and sometimes things don't work out. So I'm glad that you have spoken about that. But listen, I have one final thought for you and uh, i was thinking about this so i just wanted to share this with you before we wrap the show up because i was thinking about you on this day it was monday may 14th of last season and it was 
in the playoffs against Darby County at Craven Cottage. And I thought of you because obviously Fulham win this match and then end up going to the championship final. I was there along with Amelia. It was a wonderful time. But I thought about you specifically because of the history of 1983. So I'm curious if there was a little extra special thought in your head after that victory. Oh, yes, most definitely. Um, and I think Sky zoomed in on me on the night of that game. Obviously, they, they notified <laughs> me that they were doing a piece. Um, I went to the home game and the away game. Um, uh, yeah, it's always very special to beat Derby. Um, <laughs> and, and, and lots of banter in terms of Fulham fans throughout the years when we have played them. That you know, It's nice to, to get one over and we're obviously in the league and then obviously in the, in the championship two-legged uh, semi-final. Um, so yeah, it, it, it was just a, it was just a memorable night that night. I think the atmosphere that night was was you know when Dennis scored that header was yeah. uh, memorable and you know and it and more so for 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 someone like me because obviously Derby being a team that's not probably top of my list of uh, favourable teams, but um, you know that's all history and and, and gone. Sure. But it's nice that uh, it's nice that it's highlighted, even though it was a it's a it's a it's a sour taste in my mouth in my career you know playing for Fulham on that day you know those that were there will never forget uh, I often watch the video when it comes around on, on, on BT Sport or I've got it myself here like I'll watch it and it's, it does bring back some bad memories and but yeah it was it was a nice to get one over them and you know it's, um, it just took us to, to that memorable day at, uh, at Wembley which like you say was was uh, you travelled over from America I travelled back did. early from Spain I travelled back early from Spain, uh, cut my holiday short. Me and my wife had to convince her to come back. We, <laughs> we came and I took 20, 21 family and friends from from around London. That uh, We went to the game and it was, God, it was, yeah, that white wall. I'll never forget walking down Wembley Way. That'll live with me amazing. forever. Amazing. Yeah, absolutely amazing. And those those memories will stay with us forever. Like you said earlier, you know, the Juventus game. You know the Hamburg semi-final. You know it's just it's countless games there, and I think you know when you live and breathe Fulham, you know these memories will we can cherish them for for the rest of our lives. Truly amazing. Yeah, yeah, most definitely. And there's yeah. going to be plenty more to come over the coming years. Absolutely. Yes. Uh, well, great. Thank you. Really do appreciate you coming on the show, Rob. You know, we've had a really good, productive conversation. You've know, spoken over an hour, and we've no. we've covered a great deal. So I really do appreciate you. Coming back yeah, on, no problem. on more often, so we can we can we can get you to share your yeah, thoughts. Yeah, by all means, just drop me. You've got got my details. Anytime you want to um, discuss anything, I'm always up for it. I I never turn down any Fulham media work or any talking about Fulham. Is I love it. You know, what I mean, good times, bad times. It it uh, still gives me tingles down 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 the spine when you when you're talking about you know your, your favourite club and your boyhood club and mm. and us Fulham fans will always be Fulhamish as as we say and you know we we. <laughs> We'll do things the Fulham way, you know. Absolutely. Well, you can certainly hear the passion in your voice throughout this 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 conversation. This evening. So, thanks for giving up your Thursday evening, Rob. And we'll definitely keep in touch, and we'll have you back on the show very very soon. So, uh, thanks again. Thanks to you, Russ, as well for for co-hosting and swapping sure. roles with me for a change. So, yeah, uh, good good day, good day, Russ. Thanks for thanks for for, for talking, and uh, look forward to meeting you one day. Oh, that'd be great, Rob. Thank you. Thank you very much, guys. So uh, okay. this concludes the show tonight. So thanks for everyone. Thanks for your time, Rob Wilson, Russ yeah. Goldman, and Emilio Dinello on Cottage Talk. Thank you very much. It's the 90th minute, and all to play for at the end of the match. All your mates are around. You've got your McDougat share boxes ready to go. 
Your mates already got booked for double dipping, and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. Are you in? I know I'm in. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.